good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis. Patty will be back with us next week. Um, I'm running the board along with Jeremy uh, because Josh, I don't know, did we ever announce this on the air? That Josh, there you are. You mean what, that Josh is gone? Yeah. Yeah, of course we did. Okay. We well, had a whole big going away thing for him. Josh is down. We did that on the air? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I have no memory. <laughs> uh, Josh moved down to College Station. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, Jeremy is with us today uh, learning how to use the board. So, bear with me because I haven't run the board in a while. <laughs> Our guest today is uh, Stephen Gross. He wrote the book, The Simplest Baby Book in the World. And when this came across my desk, I thought, that's something that we never would have even thought of as a topic 20 years ago. When I mean, we've been on the air 38 years, but even 20 years ago, we wouldn't have thought of doing that. No. Now, Laron, you were born with the, with the daddy gene. Apparently. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> So, so I'm relying on you on this interview. Stephen, are you there? I am here. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Uh, and, and welcome. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was this book is like the um, replacement for Dr. Spock. It's the, repla- it, it's the modern version of those books. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's written for today's. Uh, the way we consume information today. And that was because everybody gets a lot of books uh, when they're pregnant, and I did too. And, of course, lots of them are, are, are they're like textbooks. They're like six, 700 pages of, of stuff. And I joked with uh, my friends that, well, I don't want to study to be a pediatric doctor. I just have <laughs> issues or questions, and I need the answers now. <laughs> right, and the format of the book is a topic and two pages or four pages in you know, very in graphs and uh, diagrams and uh, in easy to consume format. Yeah, um, all of the information is what I call um, uh, the baby basics. Uh, so they've been distilled down to their essentials. Um, so I've taken whatever the topic is uh, and kind of uh, and spoke to oh my goodness, countless doctors, nurses, nannies, uh, caregivers. Uh, friends and family, uh, and took all of that information, had it vetted with the partners who wrote the book with me, and then took that information, distilled it down to its essentials, and then took that one step further um, as, as a creative, my background is design um, and advertising, uh, formatted it in a way that is super simple and easy to get the information. Every page is completely different from the one before. So it's not like a typical book that you just Okay, it's just a sea of words you have to kind of get through. It's done, each one is formatted and laid out in a beautiful, sort of interesting way. And there's thousands of illustrations in the book. Right. And, and, but the book is done, like you said, you spoke to countless numbers of people. You, you did parenting the way a gay person does parenting by really preparing <laughs> for it. And uh, anybody who has a question about whether or not. Do you take the advice of a gay guy on on parenting? All studies have shown that lesbian parents are probably the most effective parents. Then gay couples are next. And third come the straight couples. (laughs) And all of that study uh, that's been done on that has been done as a result of everybody trying to prove that we shouldn't be parents. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so, it's interesting. I think we might try a little harder uh, because it's so not expected that you that uh, you know a, a gay person would be a parent. That well, at least for me, I wanted to know. And, and you know what? It's also expectation. No one expected me to know anything. Uh, so when I started this process of when we got pregnant. I wanted to know everything, and I only didn't didn't just want to know information. I wanted the best of the best for my kid. So I, like I said, I went out. I read books. I went to blogs. Um, I took classes. I, I in, interviewed doctors and nurses and nanny. I mean, I went a little crazy. Maybe my A type personality, um, but I I wanted to know everything I could so I could do the right thing. And I think that. Um, it's so different that for a lot of straight uh, people, I think, that at least my girlfriends, they basically, because uh, this is a true story, as I, we were, one of the interviews I was doing, I brought all my girlfriends over, had kids, and said, so what about this and this? And this? So I was asking endless questions, and, they, and one of them just kind of fell silent and started shaking her head. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, did I get too personal? I asked questions, too many questions. There was, no, 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 no. She said, it's just so funny because you don't have to deal with all the crap we do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And it's the question. They are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid they're going to look bad or people are going to judge them. Right, because the assumption is that if you're a woman, you're automatically going to be a good parent and you know how to parent. Well, yeah, it, exactly. it, an assumption that you're going to know everything. And, and this is the advantage of Patty not being here. We can both <laughs> say with... Any amount of certainty, I'm very glad that Patty's not a parent. <laughs> so did you find yourself knocked up one day, or how did you get pregnant? Uh, I always wanted kids. Even before I uh, came out as gay, I always assumed I was going to have uh, a big family. I, I grew up in the middle of the country, and uh, all of my uh, reference was you know, big families, huge families. Uh, so I kind of always had that dream. And then, of course, then when um, I finally came out as gay, um, I kind of you got it went on the back burner because it just wasn't something that you you thought was going to to actually materialize. Now, and then um, friends of ours actually um, started uh, gay friends of ours started having kids, and we were just like, "Wow, this is amazing! This is great!" Or at least I was saying that. My husband wasn't so sure at first. Um, and so I, I broached the subject with him. I said, so, you know, I, I would love to have kids. What about you? And he just was like, not so sure. Um, he had never, ever thought he would ever have kids. And he just never saw that as part of his life. Um, and then, and of course, I told him, look, if, if you're not into doing it, I'm not, I, I'm not going to force you to do it. And we're not going to do it because it's, it's, a, it's something which, you know, you kind of—it's a team sport here. You, it's a—it's a lot of work, and it's—I uh, didn't want to put him in that situation. So, so you never said to I, him, "Okay, it'll be my kid, and you don't have to worry about him." <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, eventually, and then this was like, oh my goodness! Uh, about almost seven years later, he actually came to me and said, "So, when are we having kids?" And I was like, "What? Okay." Uh, so uh, that's how it got started. Hmm. And did you go the adoption or did you go the uh, surrogacy route? We we did through surrogacy, uh, yes. Yeah, that's what LaRon did. Um, mm-hmm. 
what you're you're more recent. Your kids are two and three. Uh, Laurens is twelve, going on thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he specifically did his surrogacy out of state, which isn't as necessary anymore here in Texas. Um, you're in California. Um, yeah. Was there a need to go out of state, or were your state laws updated enough that it was an easy process? Uh, California actually has has is been on the forefront of uh, surrogacy for a very long time. They have. Um, and uh, a lot of gay uh, um, couples as well. Um, so for us, that wasn't necessary to go anywhere. Uh, what I'm So we found an agency here uh, recommended from our other friends who all did it here um, and, and went through the process uh, with, with them. Now, I know Laurent has given people advice, one is enough. <laughs> How many do you have, uh, Stephen? Uh, we have two. Oh, so, awesome. Uh, one, one, one is two, and the other one is three and a half. Nice, nice. It, did, was there a reason that you had two fairly close to each other? Did you want them to grow up together, make sure that each one had a sibling, or are you thinking uh, of having you know, more? It, it is funny through through this process. You through through going through surrogacy, you are able to kind of determine a few a few things uh, that you want. And we definitely de- said we, I wanted to have two. Um, I came from a family of three, uh, and I was the middle child, so I was like, no, we're not doing three. Uh, so we're going to do two, so that they have a brother or a sister to to. to that, that family, and actually, my um, my husband, uh, although he has a brother, his brother is oh my goodness, I think it's he's close to fifteen to twenty years younger. Wow! Um, so it's almost like not having a a, a sibling. Right, and he, he was raised me, as an only. Yeah, so that, that for him, he was like, no, I, I, I really want because he felt he missed it as a child, so he really wanted to. So, um, just let's just jump right into your book. Um, you know, no matter how, I, I planned a lot listening to you talk. Um, sounds very similar to uh, my journey. Um, I we took classes. I read di- different books. Also talked to a lot of uh, relatives. Um, you know, um, and then you know we had experience um, having my daughter. It wasn't my first ride in the rodeo. You know, we have a lot of nephews and nieces, and uh, we were. And, and he answered questions from certain concerned friends, like, "What are you out of your mind?" <laughs> you know, all of that. But no, no matter what, how much, you know, regardless of how much planning you do, the actual birth of a child and taking that child home um, is a it's a daunting task. Um, what was some, you know, once that baby's placed in your hands and like, okay, you're on your own, what was that like for you? Were, were some, some of the fears that you had before, did they still creep up when you, when you first took your baby home? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you said it so perfectly. Nothing prepares you entirely for uh, that baby when it's put in your hands. And you feel so much responsibility and stress. Yes. Uh, that, Something could go wrong. Anything could go wrong. And now I have to care for this 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 baby. Um, and and that was part of what what the book was all about too was to try and relieve some of the stress, give people the critical information that they need, the practical, simple um, information, so that they have the tips and advice, um, so that they can do it and feel confident that they can do it themselves. 
Because, yeah, when you walk in that door at home and you now, oh, you are on your own. <laughs> I remember the first time walking in the door, I was like, now what do I do? Exactly. Exactly. Did you uh, have a? Did you have anybody stay with you all those first couple of nights, or first week, or just you and your husband? No, we we ahead of time just because of our friends. Um, they we used um, we had a, a night nurse who helped us. Oh, and good. This, and this was one of the people who helped, actually helped write the book with me um, because she takes care of newborns and, and babies like. At all the time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, she basically like mentored me uh, on everything. It was it, it was it was great to have her there. Even it, I bringing home the baby without having anybody. I think that would have caused me a lot of uh, even more stress. Yeah. <laughs> but even having somebody there for moral support is, is is just great if you can do it because it's just. Uh, it's hard to describe that feeling that you're you're just a, a bit overwhelmed. I mean, and it happens all it, it happens when you walk in the door, but then it also happens um, continuously throughout the baby as your your baby is growing because every every day is something new. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, when you when the baby's first born, let's, let's dive into one of your topics here. Um, one of the first thing that you need to do is, or you hope that the, um, the baby does, that's eat, i.e., um, drinking milk, either from the breast or from a bottle. Uh, what are some of the challenges with with a bottle? Um, we didn't really have, well, okay, it's true. There are challenges that you can have with a bottle, depending upon the nipple, if, if the baby will take it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a bit of the problem that we had, because we did it several different ways. Um, one, we had breast milk, uh, which was pumped for us by our surrogate and for one of our child. But the other one, uh, the surrogate couldn't do it. Um, she'd never been able to, uh, to, to breastfeed. Um, and so we had a bit of a challenge with the finding the right formula. Uh, we ended up having uh, changed formulas like four or five times because the baby was colicky. Um, and that is just a, a nightmare if you've ever experienced it. Yeah, um, yeah, it can be. Uh, it, it, that's, that's tough. Um, but uh, eventually, we got to the right right, uh, right formula, and the bottle was no problem whatsoever. And formula these days, I mean, there's always this big question about, oh, my gosh, should I breastfeed or should I not breastfeed? Should I use breast milk? If you can use breast milk, that's fantastic. It is a great thing, but you also shouldn't feel horrible about uh, using formula because the formulas today are incredibly good. Incredibly uh, good. And I think that is, you know, obviously, us, you know, cisgender men cannot, <laughs> cannot produce milk. So, I, unfortunately, I think that is, um, that's something that weighs heavy, um, just put on a, a women, newborn moms. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it's so unfair um, because you're right. There's, the formulas are so good now and have been for years. Um, there's all kinds of reasons why a baby cannot um, breastfeed. Either they won't latch on to the breast um, or sometimes mm-hmm. something's, sometimes the mother doesn't produce enough milk or sometimes well, something's wrong with the milk. There's or it milk. could be a good indication that it's a gay baby. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That or, or it could be extraordinarily painful for the mother. I mean, right. there are, as I researched all of this, um, and, and I wanted to know everything, and I literally wanted to know about breastfeeding and all of that. And so I 
research like crazy. Uh, and there are so many, like you said, reasons that um, you can't breastfeed. Or it could be very. I think we just cut up. That um, that can impact that. And then there are some people who who just don't want to. And right. That's fine too. Yeah, that's fine too. Absolutely, I agree. Um, yeah, you know, we were fortunate. We, did, we didn't have any issues. But sometimes um, it's not necessarily something's wrong with the actual milk or formula. Sometimes the, the, the nipples on the bottles are slightly different depending on what brand you get. And sometimes it, yeah. it takes a while to get one that the baby will actually like. So, right. yeah. And we, we had researched our bottles. Uh, like I said, I'm a little egg type personality. So everything I, uh, I did, I wanted to know, okay, what's, what's what? So I researched bottles, and, and we really, uh, we started with one bottle. We did switch into to another one uh, because it just wasn't working. But, yeah, you, you kind of, that's why I always tell people, don't go heavy in right away on buying a ton of bottles or anything like that because you don't know if it's going to quite work perfectly. Buy a smaller amount use them and if it if it works then you know go in and buy multiple right, of it right and it, it, you know if i would offer a little um advice you know that was a, a we got a lot of bottles at our baby showers <laughs> keep <Yeah. laughs> keep those gift receipts <laughs> because you will probably return most of them so um yeah. you know uh it, it you know people are just doing what they think is best and you appreciate it but they're not going to use all those bottles because they're different and a baby might like this bottle over the next bottle. So that's the one you're probably going to keep. Right. And there's different sizes of bottles too. That's true. We, we actually got uh, the larger size uh, bottles because even though it seems like it's uh, easier to get a smaller one because the baby seems so small and at first they're eating only such a small amount, mm-hmm. you can grow into the other bottle and then you're not buying more again. Um, so, and, and like what I just Shared there throughout, like the book that I I wrote, we have um, well, there's there's like practical little uh, tips and advice like that, which I call quick tips uh, in the book, and also another one I call daddy hacks. So the quick tips are from uh, doctors, nurses, and and nannies. They're kind of like clever ideas of of how that they de- deal with various different things or advice to say, okay, when you're at the hospital, ask them about getting. Uh, if you can have uh, the swaddle or the, the whatever, because they will probably more than likely give you them. Um, or daddy hacks, which are my personal experience uh, of workarounds that I've had to deal with in order to solve uh, issues that have, I've, I've, I've dealt with. Gotcha. We need to take a break. Yeah, why don't we take our break? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with LaRon Landis. Our guest is Stephen Gross, and his new book is The Simplest Baby Book in the World. It's not out yet, is it? No, it comes out in October. In October, uh, and look for it if you're planning on being a parent, if you are a new parent. It, it, it is just nice, simple advice. Uh, why don't we take our break? And we'll be back with more with Stephen Gross right after this. I'm Jelinski Brown with Research Center United Black Element, and I listen to Lambda Weekly radio program on 89.3 K9, the voice of the people. I am the people, so hear me speak. 
And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis. Our guest is Stephen Gross. His book is The Simplest Baby Book in the World. Um, I love that the new baby book, the new, new big baby book that really will replace Dr. Spock. Yeah, I have to, always have to stop. Dr. Spock, Mr. Spock. <laughs> Dr. Spock. <laughs> Dr. Spock uh, is written by a gay guy. Uh, you know, one of the things, though, that your publicist sent me, she sent some interview topics. And I have to say that this is the first time that I've ever seen anything like one of the interview topics is understanding poop. <laughs> well, just before the break, we were talking about bottle feeding. That so that poop comes next. Okay, well, why don't you take it from uh, from asking from there and ask an appropriate question that I can't think of one. Uh, well, I mean, you 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 tell us, Stephen. Um, one of the first things I you know remember when my daughter was born, you know, while she was still in the hospital, is the nurse explaining to us that that first poop was going to be really dark. And it was. Yep. So it's, it's, it's like black. It's, it's like almost, black. And it's like the consistency of tar almost. Yes. Yes. So it, it can freak you out if you're not aware. Uh, but those first, uh, because the baby hasn't eaten anything but uh, been, uh, being fed through uh, the mother, that has a, a lot of blood and, 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 mm-hmm. and stuff in, 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 in the poop. Uh, and then as soon as you start changing, and this is what, you, you do get a little freaked out because you're, when you see, you're like, ah, okay, right. okay, they did warn me, they did warn me. They uh, did. But then very quickly, um, in the next, like, you know, three or four days, as, as you're doing more uh, breastfeeding or bottle feeding a formula, it again changes color pretty dramatically. So you're getting kind of this yellow-brown uh, stuff. And, of course, it's not, it doesn't look normal to, 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 as regular poop. Uh, so, it, again, you're like, oh, is this okay? Is this normal? Uh, and so, yes, uh, it is. And then it continues to change depending upon the things that the baby grows a little more, more and you're getting, you know, you're, when you start doing some more solid foods or, or purees, all that changes again. Right. Um, but there are signs that you need to be, you know, because we, we went through it all. I mean, we we had at one point that where it was very runny diarrhea-like, which we were having a food allergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a sign that, oh, wait a minute, something's going on. We had the other end where it was like uh, my poor son, when he, he was ha- having constipation, it was coming out as little, they almost looked like little um, rabbit pellets. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Well, he was having a reaction to some food and was getting constipated. So there is, there are all these little things. And like, that's one of the things I was like saying is that all these things come up all throughout your entire journey as a parent and nobody tells you these things you just kind of have to deal with them as they go uh kind of on the fly and i just felt like this is partly why i wrote the book i felt like people need to know what what to expect on these things and so okay wow when this happens you can very quickly find oh i see i see i see i see this is what it what what's happening but one of the things that you include is some information on oh this is happening time to call the pediatrician oh yeah absolutely because there are times where you know fever the first time my baby had a fever i it it throws you into a panic because you're afraid you know as a new parent you're afraid oh my gosh is my baby going to die or what's going to happen or or whatever so 
you're going to want to talk to the pediatrician and as soon as you can. But there are things that you can begin to do and that you will, should know, uh, which is what, what, what are in the book before you're able to talk to or see the doctor. Right. Um, you know, one of the most common phrases about, you know, when you have a new baby is that they, they don't come with instructions. Well, with your book, they do now. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but even before then, um, there are resources out there to help prepare new parents for a newborn. And like you, we went to a baby class. We were the only gay couple in the class, a pretty big class. Um, and they were telling us things that we had never heard, like what could possibly ooze out of your baby um, <laughs> in those first two or three days after birth. And we were like, oh, my God. Um, but there were just possibilities. The likelihood of that happening, were, were, you know, the chances were low. Were, when you were doing your research, um, did, sometimes did you feel like, okay, this is information overload? Right. And, and, and what I have in the book, because, yes, you can write there, there is there is no shortage of information out there. Absolutely not. In fact, that's one of the problems. There is too much information. Mm-hmm. The information is way too dense. It's too complicated. It's inconsistent. And some of it is, is actually contradictor uh, each other. So it, it, it just, it even makes things worse. The parents become even more overwhelmed and they don't know what is the, the right thing and what is the wrong thing. So this is what the book does. It also vets down or takes out, okay, What's in the book are the things you potentially, more than likely, are going to have to, to, to deal with. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But then there are all kinds of random crazy things that can happen, too. Well, that just becomes too much information. And I think that just overly stresses people out because then you're fearful of what of all these all kinds of things um, that are the likelihood of happening are very, very rare. Uh, so, yes, it, the book takes the, the most practical, most um, um, uh, information that you will need to know as a parent. Yeah. Um, you, you know, earlier we were talking about how you and I both did our due diligence, you know, prior to our babies being born. Even with that, the day that the baby's born and they're placed in your hands and you're sent home, you still have an h- incredibly high level of anxiety. Um, and one of those things is, I know for just this crosses all um, lines doesn't matter if you're a gay parent or not, and that is, you know, you want to make sure that your baby is breathing in the middle of the night, i.e., SIDS. And for those who don't know, SIDS stands for sudden infant death syndrome, and that was kind of a fear of mine. Um, but you say you have uh, a trick that cured your anxiety about SIDS. Share that with us. Um, well, we d- definitely. Um I think every parent has the same kind of fear uh, that uh, something is going to go wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I was having a really hard time sleeping because um, I I pri- I'm the primary caregiver in our, our family. Um, my husband helps out a lot, but uh, it, it mostly comes to me. And especially the middle of the night stuff was all me. And so do, do you I ever have to yell at him and say, huh, men? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I remind him very nicely that it would be nice if you would do this. Or how about, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I would have the baby monitor by the bed. And, and obviously now the monitors have, have progressed incredibly. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, now, they, I mean, even from 
when my kids go just several years ago compared to what they are today i mean it's it, 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 it's moved forward amazingly. But I would have the monitor right by the bed. So every little, eh, 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 I would have to wake up and look just to go. And then, of course, mine, you couldn't tell at the time whether they were breathing or not. So if you really were, like, panicking and you didn't, you know, you're looking and you're watching and you're watching, okay, I, I need to go check. So you go, go in and just kind of, like, rest your hand on them just to see them, make sure that they without turning the light on, because obviously you don't want to wake them up, mm-hmm. um, that uh, they're still breathing or something. Um yeah, and, and then just crazy things like uh, you'll swaddle uh, to start with, more than likely. Uh, at least we did, and we, we very much high, highly recommend it. Um, but even once they start to roll a little, I was panicked that they would roll over and then not be able to, you know, get caught and then, you know, suffocate or something. So that was making me panic, too. And then we transitioned, and so I immediately got out of the swallow and went to um, the um, a sleep suit. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, I do. Okay. So it's like a weighted, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, gosh, the movie. Uh, uh, oh, it's a Christmas movie where the boy's in this uh, uh, crazy uh, snow suit that he can't put his arms down. Oh, uh, a Christmas uh, story. Yes. Well, yes. it looks like that. Yes, it so does. It's like the... It's such this padded suit that's weighted that keeps the baby from 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 flipping. Right. Uh, so it's the kind of a next step in, in, in until they're strong enough to roll over and and then you're uh, then you're you're usually in, in much better shape and don't have to worry as much about uh, the SID issue. But when they were in the sleep suit, I was still panicked about. Oh my gosh, uh, is he going to flip or whatever? And uh, of course, I. I, I got a little crazy and thought, okay, I, I need to do something because I can't, I'm not sleeping. So I took industrial strength Velcro and I put it on the back of the sleep suit and then I put it on the fitted sheet. And when I put him down, he was no way he was going to go anywhere. He was not going to flip over. Oh, okay. So, so what I'm imagining is you put Velcro on the walls, Velcro everywhere <laughs> else, that if you're in the kitchen and there was no place to sit the baby down, you just Velcroed the baby to the wall. <laughs> no, no, it was just, just, just for, just in, 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 in the, uh, in the crib. And, maybe maybe and that's just me that would have done that. Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, what I ended up doing to, to really put it to bed was to work on uh, the baby exercises because uh, he, he, once they're able to strong enough to turn over and roll over or and, and sit up and all of those things. This issue, I, I could then I didn't have to worry about it anymore. So you do a lot of tummy time and all of the. In the book, there are multiple mm-hmm. uh, different types of exercises which a parent should do for their baby to help them develop the, the skills to uh, for having a better safe sleeping. Uh, and it's also uh, important for them to strengthen all those muscles to for in order for them to to, to walk and to progress every step along the way to crawl. Um, they need the muscular development. You know, you mentioned something a few uh, uh, moments ago that you were the primary um, caretaker as far as getting up in the middle of the night, um, checking on the baby um, and so forth. You know, um, my husband and I, we took turns. We literally had A night is your night, B night is my night. Um, because we we knew that we it was important for both of us to get some sleep. And we didn't want to put that totally on one person. Because you were selfish. 
No, that's that's not that's not that's, that's not selfish. Um, but and what, you know, I that's one of the beauties I find in being in a same sex relationship. There are no expectations that okay, you're going to do all of it. Um, do, do you concur about that, or did you all have discussions about who's going to do how, how you all were going to do this um, proceed once the baby was born? Yeah, typically the division of labor. Um, this is what's a little different from, I think, um, straight couples typically. Um, there is this expectation. The expectations don't exist the, typically the same way for, I think, gay couples as they do for straight couples. Usually the woman is the one who, mm-hmm. okay, there's an inherent, unfortunately, expectation that the majority of all the baby um, uh, care is coming from her. Uh, whereas for for a gay couple, there the division of labor is a little different. Uh, it's more done on skill or time. Um, who 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 is that better for that that that, that job or that role? And it, it's divided up typically, I think, a little bit more evenly um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find that the chores were even, Laurent? Yeah, and then it kind of just kind of uh, it blossomed into. Who does what better? If you know anything about my husband, Danny, he's a clean freak. I mean, to the point of annoyance. So he he cleaned all the bottles. He cleaned and he didn't even have to, but he would boil the bottles. <laughs> like, you don't oh, have wow. to go there. Yeah, exactly. Old school. But that he wanted to do it. Fine. You take care of that. I did all the cooking. Yeah, I still yeah. do all the cooking. So it's just like who's better at what? See, we've divided up yeah. who does the takeout. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, have you found that there are better places to call takeout that include mush for the kid? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, we have not. We have not. Mush I, it doesn't ever seem to be on the menu. No, no, it does not. I, I don't look we for actually, it, so I, I didn't know. Uh, well, and we actually, or I, I should say, uh, you know, uh, did my, made all my own uh, purees. I didn't buy uh, any store-bought um baby food per se uh i i wanted again i I really wanted to have the best that i could possibly do so i i would make all my own and they have great stuff out there to to help you do that now um so there are food uh um, processors or Mm -hmm. or baby makers food makers uh that steam the vegetables or whatever it is that you're doing and then actually puree them as well so you you can do those kind of things so much simpler now than I, than I, ever before. Right, right. So, you know, we were just talking about, you know, the roles, you know, how we divide things up at same-sex couples. There's really no expectations on us. Um, in the book, you know, you, t- talk a little bit about the expanding roles of dads. Uh, in, in context of what? Uh, taking care of the baby? Well, just the, uh, in the context of what, we, what dads do these days. And that you're talking about more in a straight couple. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand. Okay. I'm, this, is, this is one of your topics. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> let's see here. No, no, no. Um, I, I was wondering about that, too. Um, in a gay couple, Laurent, you and Danny split up the, the chores, and uh, there was that expectation. Um, in your research, Stephen, did you find that with straight couples – that uh, dads now are doing a lot more of the chores related to raising oh. the child uh, compared yeah, to what they did, you know, when we were kids. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. 
totally, uh, completely. Um, dads today are getting more involved than probably uh, ever in the past. Um, you and, and it's, the, it's the changing roles, if that's what you you were getting at. Is that yeah? You have women who are the primary um, breadwinners of the family now, and and where dads are, are are staying home and taking care of the kids. All the more reason, and this is one of the re- another reason why the, this book works so well. Um, that it speaks to uh, the, to men uh, in the way that they. Um, uh, it's easier for them to 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 dive into, and and it it's not it's not much of the the information out there is also focused on women and 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 their issues and 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 excluding a lot of the guys. Whereas this is very it does not do that. We very intentionally um, are, are are speaking to all parents because the diversity of of, of parenting and 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 those family makeups are. So uh, broad and, and, and varied today. Um, so, and, and same thing with ethnic, ethnically as well. Was the in, inside the book? We really wanted to make sure that look, this is inclusive for everybody because everybody's a parent. And everybody needs this information. You know, one of the things that you talk about um, is the bond and the immediate bond that a, a new set of parents are supposed to have. Laurent, did you yeah. feel that you bonded with Gabrielle immediately? Yeah. Yeah, very okay, much so. but you're, you found in your research that there are parents who don't and that some of them feel guilty that that bond wasn't just immediately there. Yes, it's, it's true. It, it, different people have, respond differently or have different uh, emotional connection, and some of them don't uh, instantly. It's, uh, and this is one of the things that makes people feel guilty is if they don't feel that, uh, immediate bond to 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 that baby uh, that some people it grows like all relationships you 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 that re- that bond uh, may not happen instantly mm-hmm. I know for me I had a a, a, a a sense of like oh my gosh this is my baby but the love the deep um, uh, I'll do anything uh, sort of feeling that that grew even much more powerfully over time uh, with 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 for me so yes I, I mean that makes sense uh, any relationship grows um, once the child has actually done something other than throw up on you <laughs> you have more reason to actually love the kid well and, and I mean it's, it's for women I think it's even uh, there is that because they've carried the baby there for a longer period of time I think there is more potential uh, immediate bonding that happens, but it is still not even a given that that may be the case, because when once after after the pregnancy, I mean, I always am surprised for, for the, uh, again, it's this expectation that put, that's put on them, because they're healing from, from, from giving birth. There's a tsunami of hormones that are taking place in, in, in their body. They might be having a postpartum uh, depression, so they may not be feeling this intense mm-hmm. emotional bond right away. That, so the expectation that we put on people that says, oh, well, you should be feeling this thing, and if you're not, something's wrong with you, is absolutely wrong and not right. Mm-hmm. And that makes perfect sense to me that, uh, you know, it, that some people just, it just takes them time to even 
adapt to the idea, wow, I really am a parent, um, that th- you wouldn't have that immediate bond. Uh, you have a fear that you're going to do something wrong. Well, that cuts into your feeling of, of an immediate bond, I would think. And I'm speaking as somebody who <laughs> wasn't born with that parenting gene. We need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Ron Landis. We're talking to Stephen Gross. His new book is The Simplest Baby Book in the World. We'll be back with Stephen right after this. Hey, I'm John Carlo. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. We're talking to Stephen Gross. He has a new book that's coming out in October, beginning of October, uh, called The Simplest Baby Book in the World. And it, it's just step-by-step, step, whatever you're looking for, it, it seems like it's in there in just a real easy-to-find format. Stephen, I don't know if this is a topic you cover in your book, but I'm sure you, you know about this. and You can maybe elaborate on it, and that is the importance of finding a good pediatrician. You know, we uh, interviewed three different uh, pediatricians before our daughter was born, and I'm sure all three of them could have done a really good job. Um, but we found, we went with the one that we found like we connected with, and it's, it's been great. He's still um, her doctor to this day, and it's been over 12 years. Could you t- talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, definitely, uh, your pediatrician is, is uh, uh, really important. Uh, and finding one that you have a connection with and you trust is really, really important, too. And in the book, we go through um, how do you find a pediatrician? What are the right questions to be asking? Mm-hmm. What's the process of, of, of doing it? Um, from the recommendations of potentially other people to, to, to what to look for or when, when you go and you meet with them. Uh, but yes, absolutely. It, 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 it's part of what I, I, I kind of feel like it's your team. Uh, uh, because raising a baby is, a, like I said, I've said before, it's a team sport. And, and your pediatrician is key to, 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 um, to that, uh, making sure that your baby is healthy and, 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 and happy uh, and growing uh, in, in, in the right way. Absolutely. And there's also, um, you know, it may not be so much that, you know, where you are in California, but um, it was also important for us to find um, a pediatrician who was open to um, and welcoming to a same-sex couple. Um, and it was funny because one of the pediatricians that we went to go see, you could see the shock on her face when we when, when she walked in the room to and finally met us. Of course, we made an appointment. And um, but, you know, first time she's never, she's never met us. She didn't realize it was two men. And you could just see the shock on her face in, in California. Yeah. Did you have that kind of reaction or have you heard we, from friends? We did not have that that as an issue here. I think that and, and uh, when you were um, having uh, your your baby, it, it, things have probably changed dramatically since then. And it has. Yes. Uh, 13 years is, is quite, uh, things have come a long way for the gay uh, population. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there are more role models that out there than you than ever were when I was young. Um, but yes, um, we, it wasn't so much of an issue here. I recommend that people, you, you first want to do, I wouldn't do an in-person right away. I would first do um, a telephone call 
um, and I would speak to them so that you get a sense of that. If there is an issue, you know that before you walk into it, um, because I wouldn't want to expose, you know, yourself to, to, to a bad situation or something like that um, unnecessarily. Right. right. Um, you don't give a whole lot of specific LGBT family advice, but there was one thing, and it had to do with traveling. Now, I know when I'm traveling, I always look for the couple with the screaming baby so I can sit next to them on the plane. Um, but uh, one of the things that you say is uh, for an LGBT family that they should have their paperwork with them. Yes. Uh, and it, it, it depends on where you are, too. Um, so especially when you first are bringing your baby home, you really want to make sure you have all of the paperwork uh, straightened out. So uh, all the stuff, the information from the hospital, um, so that it, it, if there is an issue, you, you can, you're able to uh, address it, uh, especially if you're traveling internationally. That is that's something which uh, you definitely want to make sure that your, your, your paperwork is all in order. Now, I had seen one time I was at the airport, and this is years ago, and it was a straight couple. It, it wasn't uh, LGBT-related. But because the mother was flying with one of her minor children to Mexico from DFW, um, and the father, and she showed him, and, and they looked in the computer, the father had tickets to fly that evening, uh, they wouldn't let her on the plane without a letter from him saying that it was okay for her to leave the country with the kid. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, um, and, and Jeremy, our board operator, um, he, he used to work for an airline, and he's saying, yeah, that's true. Um, for an LGBT couple, you're more likely to run into situations where, um, you know, interracial families... Uh, the child might be a different race than the parents, and there's just the suspicion, I guess, uh, or the worry that these aren't the parents. So what paperwork should they have uh, f- with, with them? The child's not likely to have a passport at newborn. Right. No, uh, you, not at, not at, uh, at that age. You're going, uh, you'd have to su- submit for that uh, as soon as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. But you will have uh, paperwork generated from the hospital um, uh, that that would be uh, sufficient. Uh, uh, so, so the paperwork would be a birth certificate, or would there be something in addition to that? No, right. It will be uh, not maybe be a complete final birth certificate. I believe that will be that gets sent to you, but it will be a certificate of birth and who the parents and guardians are. And what I what I would recommend too is uh, obviously whatever hospital you choose. Uh, we actually went ahead and, and contacted the hospital ahead of time uh, just to make sure that they understood that it would be we were a gay couple, uh, and that uh, so because it, it we wanted to make sure that it wasn't new to them, uh, so that uh, both of us would be able to go in and see the baby uh, at, at the same time sometimes that that's not what they're thinking of uh, or they do not um, give you a place inside the hospital when the birth is happening if they because the the surrogate is the one who is uh, in, in in the hospital and have it in, in the room uh, and we were spent the night there so we wanted to make sure we had a room as well you have to arrange that ahead of time to make sure that there's no issues or it could potentially be a, a, 
a glitch or a hang-up in the mm. process as well. And th- that's a good point because typically uh, when a baby's be- when a woman is given birth, they'll only allow one other person in the room, um, especially if it's a C-section. So, um, because, you know, that's a full-on operation. So they... We we let them know ahead of time, and they allow both Danny and I both to be in a room when when the baby was okay. born. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to uh, gain full parental rights? Uh, for me, for you, um, it was immediate. It was immediate because I because um, you did it in Maryland. I did I count a biological father? Um, we did a pre-birth order. Um, so the courts were already informed and already uh, are aware that. Um, when this baby is born, Danny, my husband, was the intended second parent. Um, she had 48 hours to change her mind. She didn't. She signed the paperwork. Our attorney filed the paperwork, um, filed it with the court, and I think we got the final adoption order. It was a couple months after that. It, w- it wasn't long. But you had what you yeah. needed to take the child out of state. Yes, Absolutely. Um, Stephen, yeah. with, with There's you... There's a lot of paperwork that's done up front. Yes, uh, a lot of paperwork done up front. A lot of legal paperwork. Right. Right. And now in Texas, it is easier, especially if it's a married couple, because the assumption is that uh, the second parent is the child's intended parent. So if you're actually legally married, it gets rid of a lot of that stuff. Right. But attorneys in Texas still recommend a second parent adoption for the non-biological parent. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Uh, it's, it's the same. Yeah. And, and what I'm, I'm curious is when you um, originally, Laurent, when you uh, was it was the uh, biological um, um, embryos? Did they are the, was it the same person who carried for you? Yeah, we did, we didn't do uh, embryos. We did a traditional uh, surrogacy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So, so yeah. the, the, explain uh, the difference. So there's traditional surrogacy, and there's um, oh god, what's the other one? Um, well, you're going to have one where the and and a lot of times now, um, they, they and I would recommend this, and, and most of here in California, they do not want you to be doing where the person carrying is the same person who's who's uh, is the is the egg uh, donor, the right? Egg donor. Right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we, we that's the one we, we did traditional. The same person who carried the child, it was her eggs also. Right. And what they've done now is because you run a greater risk. That uh, that mother or that uh, that the, the, the surrogate may change her mind, and because she is biologically then connected to the baby, she has a greater chance of potentially um, um, being able to hold on to to the baby. Right. So right. When you have it the other way, where it, it, the eggs are being um, donated from someone else, and then you have a surrogate who carries for you. There is no biological connection, uh, so that you 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 don't have uh, that that same sort of problem. Correct. Uh, and it's very very clear. Uh, like our surrogates were amazing, amazing people. Um, they kept saying, "Your baby, your baby," uh, and uh, you know, that right. this is not my baby. This is your baby. I'm so happy for you. And, and it, it, so it 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 it's a legal thing, uh, so that there's no issues. Yeah, the, the other one is a gestational surrogacy. That's the, it's a tra- gestational surrogacy and, and traditional surrogacy. Um, but either one, you know, you, you definitely want to, from you know, from my experience and you know my uh, uh, researching this, if you do a traditional surrogacy, you don't want to get someone first who's never had a child. 
that that's right right that that that's that that would be bad um yeah. and you know the, well, no go ahead i was gonna say for us when we we, we did this which is was fascinating that all of the surrogates in order to be a surrogate, I mean, there's a tremendous vetting process that goes through mm-hmm. uh, in order for them to even be able to, to do it, to start with. And one of them is that they already have to have their own kids. Uh, right. So, uh, and, and both of ours had had like two or three of their own. Um, so, and then very successful. Again, this is the other thing. Their pregnancies need to be very successful uh, so that, uh, and then, and, and there is also a tremendous amount of health screening that goes into it. I mean, it's 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 quite a process. It is. It is absolutely, absolutely. Um, there were several other things that I learned from your book. Uh, one of them, you were talking about fencing the yard, <laughs> and I just well, definitely it will be, it definitely give us a lot more uh, feeling of security. <laughs> uh, well, what didn't give me security was I don't think that young children should be given swords. Um, but the other thing that I learned uh, is that baby gates can be used for children and not just for pets. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's why they're called baby gates. <laughs> well, I mean baby pets that you want to keep in their room. And, you know, so anyway. Well, we actually, it's funny because you say that as a joke, but it's Actually, the the baby gates that we use, I mean, they're intended to keep it to to make sure that we that the, the child doesn't wander into an area that's unsafe or or that they're not being uh, observed. But it was also we have dogs, uh, we have uh, two golden retrievers, uh, and I think for them it was beneficial to to be able to have that baby gate so that the baby stays where they want to be, and if I need to get away and and be on my own and not have the baby coming after me. <laughs> See, I knew it. Enough. They're actually for the for the pets. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, one of the other things that you talk about is uh, when you have two gay dads with two good jobs, how did you come up with your balance? And we're actually running out of time. The next show is about to come in. Um, how did you come up with who's going to do what? And this, I guess, would apply to a straight couple who both are working and enjoy their jobs and want to continue in their jobs. How did you come up with that balance? Um, again, it, it, it was it was more driven by who did what uh, best. Um, there are certain things which I, I sort of naturally seem to be able to do, and then he, uh, other skill sets that he does really well. He loves to read to the kids, so I mean, he will, and I I like it too. But he really loved it, mm-hmm. and then so the kids he would usually do our nighttime. Uh, bedtime ritual of putting them to down for their bath and, and then and then reading them before they would go to sleep so yes he would pick up certain things it was again it's what who who has a passion for something and also who's good at it and then my work is as a consultant uh in the entertainment industry so i had a little bit more flexibility on time so that also drove uh, my being able to do certain things that he wasn't okay one last general question just in raising happy healthy well-adjusted babies uh, unlike the children of some people here in the this studio <laughs> um w- what general advice do you have from all of your research the thing that probably made was a game changer for us and it's something which is in in our book is we created with uh the help of our, our pediatrician and the night nurse uh and newborn care specialist 
a, a plan. It's the simplest baby uh, plan. Um, that made all the difference in the world for us. When we were able to begin to track everything and figure out when things were happening, because that was the other thing. It wasn't guessing when to feed them, when to do this, when to put them down, how much to feed them. All those things, uh, when we put them on on a plan, just really made life so much easier. Yep. Because I, you knew what you were doing, you knew when you were doing it, you knew your baby was getting the right amount of food, you, you, you tracked everything. And that's one thing I have to say, having watched Gabrielle grow up, she made sure that her parents didn't get away with that. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> she did everything she could to make their lives miserable. We love you, Gabrielle, for doing that. <laughs> we are just about out of time. Stephen, I want to thank you and good luck with thank the new so book. Thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And good luck with the book. And, oh, and we're going out with some music from uh, Lisa Messiah.
Wash me, save. 